Please have a seat, everyone. And um, grab your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 3 on page 5. My name's Phil, I'm one of the leaders here, and we're going to spend some time now in God's Word, listening to him speak to us. We've been working our way through the early bits of Genesis with this call to choose life. But as we've got into Genesis chapter 3, things have taken this dark turn. As we saw last week, we saw Adam and Eve turn their backs on God to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil that they were told not to eat from. We saw the snake deceive them, and we saw them give in to that temptation. And before we read, um, I just want to say that actually one of the reasons I believe that the Bible is true is because of how it makes so much sense of life and our world. In Genesis, we're really getting the fundamentals of reality according to God. He, he's been telling us that this is the world, this is how I made it, and now, like I said, we're getting to God telling us, well, this is what's gone wrong with everything. And when I read the Bible's explanation of what's gone wrong, it just it makes so much sense. It rings true with our experience, I think. And sometimes I feel like less like I'm reading the Bible and more like the Bible's reading me. It just so makes so much sense of me in the world. And this is one of those passages that makes so much sense of how things are. But the Bible always goes one step further than that. It doesn't just say, oh, this is how it is. It also points to the consequences of that and also what God has done about it. Now, the thing this passage makes sense of is the blindingly obvious reality that things aren't okay between us as humans and things aren't okay between us and God. I don't know if you've noticed that, but we don't always get on very well. You and I have relationship issues. Why is that? Why is that a defining feature of life, God's going to tell us? And also, I don't know if you've noticed, but God's not here. Like, he's not here physically with us. We have relationship issues with God. Why is that? What's the explanation for that? that? Why is that our reality? God's going to tell us. So let's read from Genesis chapter 3. Let's go from verse verse 6. And then we're going to be focusing in on verse 7 onwards. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it then. The eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The snake deceived me and I ate. Now just from one read through that, it's not too hard to see that there's some hiding going on 
and some seeking. We've got Adam and Eve hiding in verse 8. They, they, they hear God and they hid from the Lord God. And we've got God seeking in verse 9. The Lord God called to the man, where are you? There's hiding and there's seeking. Now, hide and seek is a very popular game in my household. Uh, it usually consists of, of my little daughter telling me exactly where she's going to hide. Then I count and then she goes and hide and then I find her, strangely enough. It's fun. But this game of hide and seek, this game of hide and seek is very serious, very serious, where Adam and Eve hide from God. So we're going to take that passage in those two ways, hiding and seeking. We hide and God seeks. That's what we're going to look at. So first up, we hide. But first, we hide from each other. There are two types of hiding here. We hide from each other. We see that in verse 7. The eyes of both of them were naked, uh, were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay, what's just happened? Well, we, we saw that Adam and Eve have listened to the serpent. They've eaten the fruit from the tree that they shouldn't have. They wanted their eyes opening. They wanted to be like God, to, be, uh, to know good and evil, to be masters of right and wrong. And then we see here that their eyes were opened. But what they now see that they didn't see before was that they are naked. That's what it says. They saw that they were naked. Now there's a sense in which before that they would have known that they were naked. They they weren't blind in that way. But they didn't realize. It wasn't wasn't an issue for them. We're told then actually back in 2 verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. It just wasn't an issue. But in an instant, how they see themselves and how they view each other is just poisoned. Before they lived in such harmony that their nakedness just wasn't a thing. There was no part of them they felt they had to hide and cover up so the other wouldn't see. But it's all changed. You see, this is what happens when we try and be masters of right and wrong instead of God. We can't actually handle that knowledge. We've put ourselves in the places of judges of life instead of God, and we can't actually trust each other with that kind of judgment. Adam looks at Eve and thinks, she can see me. She can see all of me. I've got to cover myself from her. She can't see me this way. Eve looks at Adam. She looks at herself. Perhaps she wonders what Adam must be thinking of her. Perhaps she wonders if he's judging her body. They both feel something they've never felt before. They're feeling shame. Shame. We were told, as we read, that they before they felt no shame, but now they do. Now, shame is the fear of being unaccepted or thought of as unworthy by other people. So it's the fear of being unaccepted, thought of as unworthy by others. And we've all felt shame. Something about us that's embarrassing, And it kills us when people see it, It, a character flaw, a habit, something about our looks. Or maybe when we've done something wrong, we felt like we just want to move to the Himalayas and take on a secret identity. We're just so ashamed. We want to get away from it. Adam and Eve both experience shame. And they both have the same reaction. Cover it up. Hide. They hide from each other. Second half of verse 7, so having realized that they're naked, they sewed fig leaves together and made 
coverings for themselves. They made clothes. Pretty primitive, but they made clothes. You've probably never really wondered why you wear clothes. I keep, wear clothes to keep me warm, to look good. But fundamentally, we wear clothes to hide. Someone told me the other day that my jumper looked functional. <laughs> I think it was a compliment, and I said to him, that's a very strange compliment, <laughs> a functional jumper. But you know what? A jumper is functional. It hides me from you. It hides me. We're all aware of the bits of our body that we want to hide. We're painfully aware, sometimes from experience, of the judgment of our bodies. So we wear clothes to hide our bodies from each other. But it's not just our bodies we hide. There's a lot about ourselves we don't want anyone else to see. There are some things about us no one else knows. We say, don't we, that... You never truly know someone. I wonder if you've discovered that the hard way. Have you ever discovered that someone wasn't who you thought they were? So why is life full of these disappointing surprises where we discover people have been hiding things? Why do you and I struggle to uh, let people come close? What we call, have tr- we have trust issues. Well, the Bible just makes sense of it. The reason we have these relationship issues is because... We can't trust each other. We can't trust each other. When we see that we can't be trusted to love God and he's perfect, we know, well, we can't be trusted to love each other with all our flaws. So we hide from each other. We can't trust each other with that judgment. Does that ring true with your experience? The Bible's reading us, isn't it? It's helping us see the mess we're in. So we hide from each other, but we also hide from God. Quick, he's found us. Hide. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And you see the sadness of paradise lost. The Lord God, their loving creator, he's built this garden for them to live in with him. Remember we talked about it being like his, his home, his house with them. And this was probably early morning, this beautiful image of him walking in the cool of the day. Picture the dew on the grass and the first rays of sunlight touching the glistening leaves of the trees. And God is there to be with his people. It's beautiful. But their reaction to God's presence, as it was with each other, is to hide. I don't know if you've noticed as we've been going through Genesis that trees are a really important character. They're everywhere. Go back to 2 verse 9. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Well, now what are the trees good for? Good for hiding. They hid in the trees of the garden. In verse 8, they hid. But you know what? Trees are about as good, as good for hiding as a lampstand is good for Rosie to hide from me in hide and seek. She does try. Maybe she's, sometimes we're in, a, we're in a park the other day and there's like this tree and it's really thin. She's like, you can't see me. It's like, I can see you. It's ridiculous, this idea of hiding amongst the trees. 
But God calls, where are you? Maybe not so ridiculous. Maybe the trees worked. Eh, Not so fast. God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? This is his way of speaking their language, of engaging with Adam and Eve with dignity, giving them the opportunity to come out, to say where they are and what is going on. God can see everything, but he honors them. He calls out to them, where are you? And Adam and Eve go from hiding behind a tree to hiding behind distractions and then hiding behind each other. Let's see that. Hiding behind a tree to distractions to hiding behind each other. So Adam answers the question in verse 10 of where he is. He says that they heard him, they were afraid of God, so they hid. Why does he say they were afraid? Because they were naked, he says. But Adam is hiding behind a distraction. They really are afraid of God, no doubt. But are they really afraid of God because they're naked? They've been naked all along. Is that really the issue, Adam? He's hiding behind a distraction. God sees right through it. He can see right past the leaves. He can see right past the, oh, we hid because we were naked. He gets to it in verse 11. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? Two questions, no need for answers. Bam, God's right to it. God gets to the issue. You're not afraid because you're naked. Don't hide behind that, Adam. You know you're naked because you ate from the tree I commanded you not to eat from. Adam, you're afraid of me because you've disobeyed me, desiring to be gods like me by eating this fruit. There's the distraction. But the hiding from God isn't over. There's hiding behind the trees. There's hiding behind the distractions. And then we get hiding behind each other. Verse 12. The man replies, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Adam grabs Eve by the shoulders, puts her in front and said, She gave me the fruit. She practically force-fed me. You know, he's blaming her. But notice he doesn't just blame her. He blames God. The woman you put here with me gave me the fruit. Now, God, if we're going to talk about who's to blame and who's at fault, well, you put her here. I didn't ask for a wife. You just gave me one. He's trying to hide behind God's kind provision of this woman to be his wife. And then it's Eve's turn to hide behind somebody else. Verse 13. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the snake deceived me and I ate the snake deceived me. Is that true? Yeah. Is it true that Eve gave the fruit to Adam? Yes. Is it true that God made Eve? Yes. But this pointing of the finger, the passing on of responsibility to someone else is a way of hiding from their own responsibility for what they've done. And I think that reading these verses is like reading about our lives and the way we try and hide from God. Because we do this. They hide behind trees as if God wouldn't see them. And it's really daft. And we look at it and go, you can't hide from God behind trees. But we do it. We try and do it. We think the curtains are closed. God won't see. It was just a thought in my head. I didn't say it out loud. He didn't hear. I muttered it under my breath. God didn't hear it. See, whether it's a closed door or what we think is a hidden desire or an intention of our hearts, whatever it is, we hide behind the trees, afraid, ashamed, hoping that God just didn't see that. 
and they hid behind distractions, that shifting of focus. We do this. Have you ever asked this question? Is it technically sinning if I do this? Shift the focus to, is it the technicality of it? Have you ever had this kind of conversation with God in your head? Yeah, but God, I didn't go as far as I could have gone. So you shift the focus from what you've done to what you didn't do but could have. Okay, that wasn't right, God, but look at the good things I have done. My church attendance has been great recently. I can get some covering from that. I can hide behind that a bit. It wasn't good, but this is good. Distraction, shifting the focus. And they shifted blame. You ever shifted blame in talking to God? God, I wouldn't have got angry if they hadn't have done that thing. They, it was bad what they did. That's why I got angry. God, I wouldn't have been tempted if I hadn't been so tired because I've been serving you so much, God. I was weak to temptation because, of, because I'm serving you. Or how about shifting blame to our parents? Oh, this is a favorite of ours. I'm just like my parents. Yeah, they're kind of angry. I guess it's genetic. That's why I'm angry. Shifting the blame, hiding behind parents. But you see, it's all hiding. It's like little children behind the lamp. You know where they close their eyes? You can't see me. And we think as we close our eyes, God can't see us. We think and do these things because we don't want to face up to God. We hide. And do you know what? We don't want to be found. We don't want to be found. Sometimes we talk like God is the one hiding. You know, if only God would make himself more obvious to me, I'd believe more as if he's hiding. We're here in plain sight going, God, I'm here. I want to know you. The Bible says, you know, that's not how it is. We don't want to be found. We don't actually want God to see us because then we won't be able to get on with our lives, with ourselves as kings, as we want to, if we acknowledge him made me think of a certain skill that you have to master if you are going to survive in London. It's the skill of not making eye contact. I can tell that you've mastered it. You're sitting on the tube and there are no more spare seats. Doors open. More people walk onto the train. What is the one thing you do not do with those new people on the train? You don't make eye contact because then one of them might look at you and do a kind of, I want your seat kind of eye contact. You know, I need your seat. And then because you've made eye contact, you've got to give them the seat. And you don't want to give them the seat. You want to get on with sitting and doing your thing. So you keep your head down. This is what you do. Don't make eye contact. And then you don't have to do anything. You have no responsibility because you didn't make eye contact. It's true. Everything within us does not want, want to make eye contact with God because we will carry on doing what we do See, this passage teaches us we are not inclined to be honest with God. We're not inclined to want to make eye contact and for him to see what we're like. The human instinct, because of our shame, is quick, hide, he's coming. Don't make make eye contact. Don't own up to it. Our instinct is not, phew, God's here. I can come out into the open and he's going to fix everything. That's not our instinct. So let me ask, are you avoiding eye contact with God? hoping he won't see you because you, then you'll have to confront the sin that you just really like. Because then you'll have to admit to him you're not what you should be. How does this help us as Christians? Well, it, it really helps us in our fight against sin. 
to know that naturally we will cover up our sin like Adam and Eve. Naturally we will downplay how bad we are and shift the focus and blame elsewhere. We are talking yesterday at Globe Getaway about honesty with each other and honesty with God. But this teaches us that though we want to get to that, we need to know it is totally unnatural for us to be honest with each other and with God about our sin. So if we want to get serious about confronting sin in our life, we've got to realize that our natural self wants to cover it up. We're going to downplay it. We're going to shift focus. So we need God's help and each other's help to bring sin into the light. Call it for what it is. We think we can distract God. We think we can hide. We think we can blame others. We hide. But, did you notice that word in verse 9? But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Verse 8, they hid from God, but verse 9, he called, where are you? We've had the hiding, now we get God seeking, God seeks. He doesn't let their hiding be the end of the situation, the end of the story. God speaks to them. He wants to engage with them face to face to confront what they've done. So God seeks them out. So let me ask you, is God looking for Adam and Eve uh, um, a terrifying thing or a comforting thing? Oh, God's seeking them. Is that a yay for Adam and Eve or a oh, terrifying for Adam and Eve? How, how do you think it's supposed to, we're supposed to feel about that? God's seeking them, good or bad. There are two ways that we should react to God seeking humanity out as we hide from him in our shame. The first way we should react to God's seeking is we should be terrified. When we hide from God because of the shame of attempting to de-God him and be gods ourselves, and when we hear God coming, we should be afraid like Adam and Eve were. Fear was the right emotion. It was the right emotion. Because God doesn't say to them, oh, Adam and Eve, no, 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 you got it all wrong. Don't worry about it. We all slip up. It's okay. He's about to lay out, we'll look at this next week, curses on them for what they've done. They should be terrified of his presence. And so should we. Do you hear the footsteps of God? Because Jesus has made clear that he will return as our judge. And on that day, we will want to say, quick, hide, he's coming. But we won't be able to. Listen to this from 2 Peter. He's talking about the day when Jesus will come back. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Laid bare. We won't be able to hide behind trees or distractions, or each other. Everything ever done in the world will be laid bare. No hiding. Jesus will see. And that should terrify us. Because he'll see everything. And we should be ashamed of what we've done to God and to each other. And I just wonder if some of us hear the footsteps of God approaching, and we just don't care. It's not that we have a kind of gospel confidence. We're going to come on to that later. It's that actually we just like our sin. 
We've, we've worked very hard at justifying it to ourselves. Someone else is to blame, God's to blame, my parents are to blame. It's just not as bad as we think. We're hiding behind that, and so we're just not terrified of the fact that God sees everything and is angry. Jesus will lay it all bare. You can't hide from him. And like Adam and Eve, we face the judgment of God. They deserved what's coming to them. And so do we. God didn't tell Adam and Eve, it's all right. And I'm not going to tell you it's all all right. God seeks us and he finds us, but he finds us in all our shame. And for some of us, life is so comfortable. Our sin is so acceptable in the world's eyes and in our eyes that we don't see sin through God's eyes or even aware that God sees our sin. God seeks and he finds. And when we realize what we've done and how pure and powerful and holy is, we should be afraid. But that's not where we should stay. That's not where we should stay. We shouldn't stay in hiding. See, when God called out, where are you? There's one thing Adam should have done. Or if you can think of what it is. What should Adam have done when God said, where are you? He should have come out from his hiding and sought God's mercy. That's what he should have done. Every time God asked another question, where are you? Who told you? Eve, what about this? Each question was another opportunity for Adam and Eve just to come clean. But instead, each question they hid more and more. We should be terrified, but then, knowing what this God is like, we should come out of our hiding. See, one of the things that, uh, John told us this last week, one of the things that the snake did was persuade Adam and Eve that God was not good. The snake made God look mean. Ah, he won't let you eat from the trees, any of the trees. He exaggerated the command. He doesn't want you to be like him. And remember, Eve bought into it. Oh yeah, no, he said we can't eat from that one or touch it. That's not true. She, she, she restricted the command even more. They're seeing God as mean. And in this hide-and-seek story we've got, we get the same view of God, that he's mean. Think about all that we've seen in Genesis so far. Given all that they knew about God, his creating them out of his own sheer pleasure, his breathing his own breath of life into them, his living with them in this garden of delights, his giving them access, free access to the tree of life to live forever, shouldn't Adam have thought, you know what, I'll admit what I've done. I'm going to come before God, he's rightly angry with me, but but perhaps this God will be merciful given all, all that he's done. But instead God hides. Sorry, Adam hides. We should be afraid, but we should expect from this God that our shame might not be the end of the story. And that's what we find. Because this wasn't the last time mankind would hear the footsteps of God. The Son of God actually became a human, an Adam. And in his own words, Jesus said that he came to seek, to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus said. I came to seek and save the lost. God seeks. 
hang on, but we said Jesus is going to return. Yes, Jesus will return in judgment. He'll lay it all bare. But before that day, he has already walked on the earth again so that our terror can be turned to joy and hope. So we could come out of hiding. How, does it, how is this impossible for us to come out of hiding in all our shame? Because Jesus came to seek and to save us. Our shame for what we've done to God was taken by Jesus on the cross. In our shame, we fear being exposed for what we are. Well, when Jesus was hoisted up on a cross, it was utterly shameful. He was being executed in the most visible way, barely wearing any clothes, mocked. People were disgusted at him. That's what Isaiah tells us. Disgusted. He was treated as if he was Adam. As if he was the one who is full of shame like us. Who has lived a life of darkness. The cross was where Jesus took our shame. Hebrews 12 tells us this, that Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. That means pushing through the shame. It was a shameful thing for Jesus to die on the cross as if a criminal sinner like us. And there, Jesus, judged by the Father for our sin and shame, he was seeking and he was saving us. Now, isn't that the life-giving God we've got to know in Genesis? Because he took our sin and shame on himself, we don't have to hide anymore. We don't have to hide. What are you ashamed of? What are you afraid that God will see? We can do what Adam should have done. It's called repentance. We can come out of our hiding, come clean before God about what he already knows, Ask for forgiveness and know that Jesus was shamed on the cross in our place. And we can have the the mercy of God. You can say to God, can you say to God now, thank you that I don't need to hide from you anymore. I don't need to hide. As we finish, I want to point us to a, a part of the Bible that a lot of us might be familiar with. But when you read it in the light of Genesis 3, it takes on a really precious meaning. It's in number six. It's a blessing. Listen to this and think about it in the light of Genesis 3. It's on the screen for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord Turn his face towards you and give you peace. Because Jesus took on our shame for us, that blessing becomes ours. Look at those words again. The Lord make his face shine on you. Turn his face towards you. We don't want to make eye contact with God. We hide in shame. But with Jesus, that changes. Now God turns his face to us. His face shines on us. He doesn't turn away from us. He's looking at you because of Christ. And that is not a terrifying thing anymore. He sees you, all of you. And he loves you when your faith is in Jesus.
Paul says that anyone who believes in God, in Jesus, will never be put to shame. Do you get that? If I believe in Jesus, God will never be ashamed of me. Never, ever be ashamed of me. So this afternoon, come out of your hiding and enjoy the warmth of God's face turned towards you. Let's pray and give him thanks. Lord, we praise you and thank you for your word that is so honest. It is painfully honest about us. We are exposed before you. We can't hide anything. You see it all. You're God. And we're sorry for hiding. We're sorry for thinking that you're a God who isn't going to receive us in mercy. Lord, we, we see what we've done. We see your holiness. We see how we've deeply offended you, how we've robbed the crown from you and tried to take it ourselves. We, we fear your judgment. But we thank you that before that day, there is, there is a day that has come already when Jesus came and died in our place. And we praise you now, Jesus, for taking our shame. Lord, we bring to mind those particular moments of shame, those things that we want to hide. We thank you that Jesus bears the shame for that thing, for those moments. He bears it all instead of us. And thank you for the new life we have in him in his resurrection. Lord Jesus, please help us to live lives of honesty. Live lives now out in the light. Following your ways, Lord Jesus, our King. Helping each other to expose our sin, to kill it by the power of the Spirit, and to live in a new way, walking with you again. Thank you for all that you've done for us in Christ. Amen.